Welcome to the Contending for the Word podcast, a podcast devoted to helping inform, educate, equip, and warn people about false teachers, false movements, and unbiblical philosophies. Now join our host for today's episode and enjoy. Well, welcome back to today's episode of Contending for the Word. My name is Dave, and I'm one of the hosts for this show and the producer for this show. And on today's episode, Don Hill is going to host the show, and she has a lot of examples about the, the influence of Alexander Pagani and the influences on him um, that are going to show us a lot about his theology, about where he, what he believes, and, and, and how he practices uh, his ministry. So uh, this episode is very insightful, it's very helpful, it's, it's even very clarifying, um, so I hope that uh, you'll find it to be helpful to your life and godliness as we continue to stand on and for the Word and to contend for the Word. Well, go ahead and take it away, Don, with your examples and the episode. The organization that I'm a part of laid hands on me by the uh, presbytery um, and sent me out as a sent one uh, to, pl- to plant churches all over the U.S. and globally. So we planted 16 churches. So when I say I'm an apostle, I'm not referring to the apostles of the Lamb. So um, Jesus. But I, yeah, but I am an apostle of Jesus in the sense of I go out and I lay a foundation in territories uh, of the gospel that previously, well, I try my best to go to areas where the gospel has not been laid, and then we birthed a church there. We've been we've been successful 16 times, but not in regards to anything that I say is canon, or I'm equating myself to uh, the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Let me just emphatically say, I am not NAR. I am not NAR. I don't believe in that. I, I, thought, I thought you were going to say that, and I got a little nervous. Okay. Go, NAR? Yeah, I believe that <laughs> NAR is heresy. I believe that it's false doctrine. New Apostolic I, Reformation. Yeah, I preach against no. that stuff, but I do believe in the ongoing work found in the book of Acts, where the local Amen. assembly would lay hands and send people out to do missionary work. So my mindset um, as a Christian minister is Antiochian, not Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was more, you came to Jerusalem, one big, mm-hmm. massive megachurch. I have more Antiochian approach, which means sending out what it looks like to everyone else. So they throw the rest of us. Even I've been thrown in there after saying a million times that I am not NAR. I'm on that list, which is unjust and unfair. But let us keep going. Unexpectedly. And may freedom spread throughout the whole congregation. I order every demon, I command you by the authority of the courtroom of heaven, by the authority of the 24 elders and the four living beings, and the judge who sits upon the throne, the Lord Jesus Christ, when they renounce you all will respond. And you see these angels? These are your escorts that are going to take you back to the abyss where you came from. And I decree that when you leave their bodies, you will never enter them ever again. Not too far from here, they erected an altar to Baal. And not too far from there, they erected a statue to the beast. But God sent us here today to confront the ruling principality called Baal and to tell you, you will not have New York City! And God sent us here to tell every witch and every warlock and every priestess and every coven that we cancel every blood ritual. We cancel every contract. We cancel every sacrifice. 
made for New York City. We cancel it out by the blood of Jesus. And we tell you, New York City belongs to Jesus. I said the five boroughs belong to Jesus. Italian in a few moments, you start waving those flags, swords in the spirit, cutting through the atmosphere, cutting through the atmosphere, cutting through the atmosphere, cutting through the atmosphere. You cut through the atmosphere. You cut through the atmosphere. I want you both to just kind of walk around right here in the front and just and just cut through the atmosphere. Yeah! Watch this, watch this, lower it. Watch this. A decree by the Most High God, you will not pass this boundary line right here. Angels, you already know what to do. Father, circle be infilled with the love and the glory of God and set your daughter free in Jesus mighty name. every demon and devil I serve you notice by the authority of the courtroom of heaven and in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth you are unauthorized in this place and I'll release the angels assigned to deliverance Angels assigned to freedom. I release you in this house. Lord Jesus, bring great freedom in this place. And we're currently seeing another reformation in the church. We are experiencing restoration today, right? All right. God is restoring the ministries of the apostle and prophet within the local church. As a result of this restoration, we need to reform and change the way we build churches. Unfortunately, tradition has robbed much of the church from receiving and believing in apostles. The three ministries most churches receive and believe in are the pastor, the teacher, and the what? And the evangelist. Most of the leaders in the local church accept the title and function of pastor when it comes to starting and overseeing churches. Most churches have been built around the pastoral anointing. Now, I'm going to address that a little bit later. The pastoral anointing has been the dominant anointing of the local church. Most leaders have been trained to think pastorally. Bible schools and seminaries train leaders to think to be pastors and administrators, but not apostles and pioneers. This is because many Bible schools are staffed by former pastors, teachers, and administrators. Leaders, therefore, generally operate with a pastoral mindset. Amazing church has been built to meet the needs of the members. And most members, or rather, our churches have been built, not amazing church, our churches have been built to meet the needs of the members, and most members expect it to remain this way. It is not uncommon to see a leader serve as a pastor of a church for many years. We commend that many pastors who have faithfully served in the local church for many years, which means we're not downgrading the pastor. We're not downgrading the pastor. But the reason why the church is stuck is because of our pastors. Yes, I've been ecclesiastically with hands laid on me by the covering in which I'm under recognized as an apostle, as a sent one. But no real apostle that I know that's authentically 
sanctioned by God, equates their apostolic office to that of the 12 apostles. I never said that, and nothing that we say has any merit of apostolic authority. I have authority as a church planter. I've birthed nine churches. Maybe you don't like the term church planter. Maybe you want to uh, religionize it and put missionary. Missionary and apostle are not the same thing, but if the term apostle bothers you and you want to use the term missionary, I'll give that to you. Um, if you don't want to say uh, apostle for the sake of, I don't want to equate it to the 12, and you want to say church planter, amen. But when I say that I'm an apostle, I am not, and everybody that I know, and all the apostles within our, within our organization, not one of us is claiming that anything that we say is, equates itself as an extension of what's written and outlined in the canon of scripture. Um, we're not saying that we um, have the same apostolic authority as the original, as the original 12. Um, none of us is actually saying that. We're adhering to what is called sent one, which means the, the, the movement and the covering that I'm under sent me. They sent me to go forth and birth churches. They sent me to go forth and be an ambassador for deliverance. I'm a sent, a sent one. So right there, um, there's a theological and dogmatic divide there because true fivefold apostolic and prophetic, nobody within that movement claims to have such authority. Now, are there apostles and prophets that, that are misguided and do believe that what they say is equated to the original 12? Yes, there are. And we are ve vehemently opposed to such apostles. If you go in my Facebook and check out the history of my videos, I stay calling them false apostles. I stay calling them that. The same thing. Now, that's what you guys are saying about us. Saying the same thing about us. Let me say it again. I don't believe any of those things. We are not NAR. Do me a favor. Please, if you're going to categorize us, throw us in the deliverance crowd. Don't throw us in the NAR crowd because I don't believe in NAR. Let's keep going. Well, hey, y'all, thanks for joining me today on this episode. I'm doing a full video episode today, and hopefully we'll be doing some more in the future, but I wanted to do it on this particular one. And the reason being is that I found some information recently that is of importance, I believe, to share, and it has to do with a particular individual and in relation to another individual, as I will get into this video. As you just saw, I played some introductory clips from Alexander Pagani, who calls himself an apostle. Now, I was recently doing some research uh, for a separate project concerning the New Apostolic Reformation, and I stumbled across a video containing teaching on building apostolic teams. And the teaching came from Alexander Pagani. And as I began watching the video, something was very familiar to me. It was actually the teaching that he was reading from his laptop. And lo and behold, I found what he was reading, and I was following it along in this very book, which he did not write, verbatim. There were four videos I came across where he was doing this teaching with his church, and this was a year ago in 2022. Given what I'm going to share with you today, I know that uh, Pagani states that he is anti-NAR. He believes that the New Apostolic Reformation is a heresy. Uh, he does not hold to their beliefs, so he says. Now, I know that Pagani denies being part of the New Apostolic Reformation. In fact, as you heard in the introductory clips, he views it as heresy. He says it's an unbiblical teaching, and he does not hold to the teaching. However, his practices and his teaching seem to contradict what he's saying in some of these videos. And he continues to call himself a church planter. He's told other people that he's a church planter, nothing more than that. But after watching hours of footage and hearing his teaching on the apostolic teams and on other things and seeing him being um, a commission to the office of apostle, which we'll look at a little bit of that. 
and uh, the distinction between the office versus the gift of the apostle, I decided to look further. Uh, I found some interesting things in these four videos that I'm going to show you today, just some just some clips out of there. And um, I believe it's relevant. It is actually something that he and I share and have in common. Now, I'm going to be introducing another individual in the midst of all this today that I believe that is very important to bring up. And, and you, you may or may not be familiar with this individual, but I think you should be because I am as far as what I was involved in, because my contention is that you need to be aware of this individual and of this teaching uh, because this individual most certainly affirms the new apostolic reformation without a shadow of a doubt and um, has actually written books on the apostolic has um, specifically said the term new apostolic reformation in his books and we'll get to that soon but back to Bagani, mr Bagani, as i said calls himself a church planter and he states that he has planted 16 churches as of november 15th 2023 and this is the definition he uses in association with the term apostle, again, church planter. An important note to highlight here is that he apparently has planted nine churches since February 21st of 2023 when he reviewed American Gospel, Spirit and Fire. If you paid attention to that at the beginning, you'll notice that he says in the current video, November 15th, he has currently planted 16 churches. I have authority. As a church planter, I've birthed nine churches. Maybe you don't like the term church planter. Maybe you wanna uh, religionize it and put missionary. Missionary and apostle are not the same thing, but if the term apostle bothers you and you wanna use the term missionary, I'll give that to you. And in a matter of eight months, he's planted nine churches. So he went from seven to 16 pretty, pretty quickly. The organization that I'm a part of laid hands on me by the uh, presbytery um, and sent me out as a sent one uh, to, pl to plant churches all over the U.S. and globally. So we planted 16 churches. So when I say I'm an apostle, I'm not referring to the apostles of the Lamb. It's very interesting. Uh, and that's impressive. <laughs> in fact, there's one church in Michigan that I found called Amazing Church. And that's the same name that his church in the Bronx currently has. It's Amazing Church Global. And um, they acknowledge their covering as chief apostles, Alexander and Ibez Pagani. And I hope I'm saying her name right. And if I'm not, I apologize. Uh, it is important to note that Mr. Pagani's um, church was established in 2007, according to the church's website, initially as He is Risen Tabernacle. In 2015, the name was changed to Amazing Church, and the church has also transitioned from being pastoral to apostolic. Now, when that happened, I don't know if that video he shared uh, in 2022 on his channel is current, or if those videos were a little bit older, I'm not sure. Um, but this is noted in a series of videos that he shared from a year or so ago that, that they were making this transition. And to be fair, I, I want to be careful in, um, saying what I'm going to say as I get to who he was quoting, because I, he was reading large sections out of this book in paragraph forms and then elaborating a little bit on it and then reading more of the paragraphs. So I never saw in the videos that he attributed or credited this author. So he may have, and that just was edited out of those videos. I don't know. It's very well possible that, that the congregation knew that he was sharing information from this individual. Obvious when you're listening to him, and if you've read this book and know anything about it, that he's quoting this individual word for word. And again, this book, <laughs> it affirms the New Apostolic Reformation. So what is church planting? 
because we keep hearing this term that he uses, he's a church planter, which is what an apostle is, a sent one, that he says he's a sent one, that he was commissioned and anointed to be sent out, and that that's what he does. He's a church planter. Well, let's see what gotquestions.org has to say about this. On gotquestions.org, when you type in what is church planting, you're going to see this pop up on the screen. I want to read this to you. It says, church planting is the establishing of an organized body of believers in a new location. The process of church planting involves evangelism, the discipleship of new believers, the training of church leaders, and the organization of the church according to the New Testament model. Usually the process also includes writing a church charter and or doctrinal statement and finding a place to meet or buying property and erecting a new building. Church planting is a specific focus within the larger work of missions. Church planters are missionaries who concentrate their efforts on preaching and teaching the Word of God. Other missionaries who specialize in certain skills may not be considered church planters officially, but they provide valuable service to those who are. Such supporting missionaries include radio broadcasters, aviators, printers, Bible translators, and medical personnel. The ultimate goal of most church planters is to glorify the Lord in a community by founding an autonomous, self-propagating body of believers. Once this goal has been reached and the church is able to stand on its own, the church planter will usually move on to a different community and begin the process again. The church planting focus is biblical. As the Apostle Paul traveled through an area, he always tried to spend enough time in each city to establish a local body of believers and train the leadership. Acts 14, 21 through 23. Later, he would try to revisit those churches to confirm and encourage them in the faith. Acts 15, 41, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 2. The churches he established would then begin to send out missionaries themselves, and so the work of church planting continued. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. So it is important to know what church planting is, because as you can see in this article, for example, it does not say anything about taking over um, authority as far as territorial spirits are concerned. And as we saw in the introductory clips at the beginning or in the clips that you're about to see. The practice of taking authority over territorial spirits or making declarative prayers and decrees is actually something we see in the New Apostolic Reformation. I am very much familiar with that, actually. In fact, Peter Wagner and others have written about this very thing when talking about the importance of the new wineskin. You're gonna, and you're going to hear Alex talk about this in at least one of the clips I play for you today when he's talking to his church about the new wineskin versus the old wineskin. And this is talk that I heard many times as the church I was once part of was transitioning from pastoral to apostolic thing. And another thing that happens in this transition is uh, transitioning from the pastoral way of petitioning prayer to the apostolic way of declarative prayer. Territorial spiritual warfare is also an aspect of this movement. And you're going to see some um, slides now that I'm going to show you. And these were from a PowerPoint presentation that Peter Wagner did in 2012 called Apostolic Teams. And in these, uh, in the, and in these slides, you're going to see that Wagner believed and taught in the authority of the apostle. He taught two main truths he believed were important in the NAR. And you're going to see those in the slides. I also shared a slide in there as well to show the difference between on the left-hand side, the pastoral um, wineskin, if you will, versus the apostolic wineskin. And these were in Wagner's own words. Do you see the similarities in what Wagner believed versus what Pagani teaches and practices? I'll let you be the judge of that. The second thing the Lord sent me to this city, to this event today, is to bring a prophetic apostolic declaration of a name change over this city. 
Sometimes the sin is too deep. Sometimes the curses are too entrenched. That sometimes God doesn't just save someone, but he has to radically even change their name. Did you catch what I just said? But God said, I'm going to change the name of this city. From the city that never sleeps. From the Big Apple to the city of peace. To the city of the fivefold. The city of the fivefold. The city of the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, Staten Island. The city of five smooth stones. That God is going to take the burrows of this city and put it in his slingshot. And take the head of Goliath and cut it off. came through our house some Trinidad good friend of Apostle uh, John Eckhart and I was like man of God I need freedom too man help me get free again and when the Holy Spirit reveals it to me again I'll get another one because I ain't going to hell for nobody and I'm not gonna end up with a reprobate mind now remember the clip at the beginning uh, where Pagani is teaching his congregation about transitioning to the fivefold. Well, that came from a teaching that he did in June of 2022. And I'm going to play it again right now. And this time you will see a highlighted page that states verbatim what he is saying. And these are not Pagani's words. Let me just reiterate that. And I don't want to accuse him of plagiarism. Because it's because likely he that he told his congregation that he was reading excerpts from this book. So I want to be fair. At the same time, uh, I do want to, to play these clips for you because this is important to note. So have a listen once again and note alongside it the uh, highlighted book portion that I pulled from this very book. We are currently seeing another reformation in the church. We are experiencing restoration today, right? All right, God is restoring the ministries of the apostle and prophet within the local church. As a result of this restoration, we need to reform and change the way we build churches. Unfortunately, tradition has robbed much of the church from receiving and believing in apostles. The three ministries most churches receive and believe in are the pastor, the teacher, and the what? And the evangelist. Most of the leaders in the local church accept the title and function of pastor when it comes to starting and overseeing churches. Most churches have been built around the pastoral anointing. Now, I'm going to address that a little bit later. The pastoral anointing has been the dominant anointing of the local church. Most leaders have been trained to think pastorally. Bible schools and seminaries train leaders to think to be pastors and administrators, but not apostles and pioneers. This is because many Bible schools are staffed by former pastors teachers and administrators leaders therefore generally operate with a pastoral mindset 
amazing church has been built to meet the needs of the members. And most members, or rather, our churches have been built, not amazing churches, our churches have been built to meet the needs of the members, and most members expect it to remain this way. It is not uncommon to see a leader serve as a pastor of a church for many years. We commend that many pastors who have faithfully served in the local church for many years, which means we're not downgrading the pastor. We're not downgrading the pastor. But the reason why the church is stuck is because of our pastors. Now, the author quoted from this book is John Eckhart. He goes by the title Apostle John Eckhart. And we're going to look at some of this in just a few minutes. But this was from his book, A Shift in Leadership. This is the cover that you're going to see right here. This is the current cover of it. I used to have a paper copy of this book. Shortly after I left this movement, I had a purge where I threw a bunch of stuff away. And I wish I hadn't, but I keep some things for research purposes only. But everybody goes to their own um, purging sessions when they're when they leave this movement, if they're, they're going through and trying to get rid of things. Some people hold on to things for evidence or, or to have support that these things were said. Other people want to get rid of it. And that's a personal preference. For me, when I was first getting out of this, I wanted to get rid of all this stuff. I had a uh, lot of, I, I had several Eckhart books. I had other ones that I, I wanted to get rid of. I kept my Bible college notes and things, and I'm actually thankful I did because of some of the things I talk about now to try to help others in understanding this movement. But this book was given to us as senior leaders years ago when we were part of the ministry that Ryan Lestrange oversaw in our area. This was during the time that the church there was getting ready to transition from pastoral to apostolic. I know in some of the interviews I've stated that the, the church originally began as Word of Faith. And the spiritual father that Ryan had was Norval Hayes, who was well known in the Word of Faith movement. When Norval passed away, it was a few months later that Ryan announced his um, apostolic covering and his spiritual father would now be John Eckhart. And so we were given one of John Eckhart's books, A Shift in Leadership, oddly enough. And this book tells you about the shift from the pastoral to the apostolic. This is the very same book that Pagani is reading in sections to his congregation. And, and he's teaching them about transitioning to the fivefold, apostolic teams, governments and helps, um, he, revolutionaries and reformers. I mean, there's different things that he's teaching them about that are helping them to understand the transition of coming out from pastoral and becoming an apostolic church. And you're going to hear some more of these clips in a minute, and you're going to see the excerpts from this book that are highlighted on the screen as he's reading. Now, A Shift in Leadership was originally written in 2000, and it was originally titled Leader Shift. But then there was a republishing of the book, and the, the cover changed, and the title did as well. And that was when it was retitled A Shift in Leadership, from the, the transition from pastoral to apostolic. And um, as I said, I'm familiar with this book. And there, are, and there are more clips to show here from the four videos that I watched. And to basically drive the point home, that Pagani is very much influenced by John Eckhart. And if that name doesn't mean anything to you, by the end of this video, it's going to, because I'm gonna show you some things that help you to understand that John Eckhart's actually been acknowledged as a pioneer in the apostolic movement. And he's been acknowledged by a, a hard hitter in this movement. And uh, we'll get there, but I want you to listen to some of these clips right now that are from some of the videos that Alexander Pagani posted on his own YouTube channel where he's teaching his congregation about apostolic teams, transitioning to the fivefold, helps in governments, and about the apostolic Transition ministry. is defined as movement, passage, 
or change from one position, state or stage to another. It is the period during which such changes take place. Apostolic times are seasons of transition. We are in a season of transition. I was not going to step down and allow my successor to be a pastor. That's downgrading. My successor had to be at the same level as me or even better than me because Jesus said, greater work shall you do. So the goal of succession and passing is always to do greater. So any church that starts out as a pastor and gives it to a pastor, I promise you that church will empty out within a year because it went from a high level back to a low level. All right. And from this house, what does the Bible say? We go from glory to see, we think like this from glory to glory. It's not like that. It's from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's not horizontal. It's vertical. All right. The shift. Look at this. The shift. Uh, the word shift means to transfer also from one place to another. It means to put aside and replace. It's different. Shift means to write this down. Shift means to replace. It's not like transition. Transition is the act of transitioning. Shift means to replace it. Let me give you an example. When this house went under the covering of Dr. Miles Monroe, remember that? We were under him until he passed on. When we went under him, I immediately shifted my theology and I embraced Papa Miles' theology immediately. I didn't graduate into it. I adapted it. As a matter of fact, when people hear me today, sometimes they'll say, you sound like Miles Monroe a little bit, like you're so revelatory. And then I'll say, we were under Miles. Why? Because the word shift means to replace. Change is difficult for leaders who are comfortable with the status quo. Change requires commitment and humility. It also requires listening to the voice of God and following his leading. Leaders cannot afford to be ignorant of this restoration move of the Holy Spirit. Leaders must come into the knowledge of the current shift in the church. There is an apostolic mandate for many senior pastors. And unless, unless these leaders come into the knowledge of this change, many will remain locked in a pastoral mode for the rest of their lives. This will drain them of their joy, zeal, and vitality. The most frustrated thing is to have a pastor who's really an apostle trapped in a pastor's body, dealing with what I call ministry transgender. All right. Okay, let's keep going. If leaders do not move into new position, they will die spiritually within the four walls of the church. They will experience dryness and their ministries will become routine. They will be unhappy and unsatisfied. Even though it may look successful on the outside, on the inside, their ministers will feel empty. We're getting an influx of All right. people. An apostolic team is a group of fivefold ministers led by an apostle that can come into a region or a church and build apostolically. The team comes to add to the church. They do not come to duplicate what the local leadership has already done. They help the church break into new realms of spiritual power and revelation. We define building apostolically as a grace and ability to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Where do we find that? In Jeremiah chapter 1, right? He said, if I have called you to do it, to throw down, to uproot, but not only that, because we're great at exposing stuff, God says now, plant and build. Right? Look at this. Apostles and apostolic teams have the authority to pull down and to build up. They pull down strongholds of darkness and build up the saints. 
When a team comes into a region, notice I said a team comes into a region, there will be breakthroughs and impartation release that will add momentum to the work. This concept of ministry needs to be taught to the church. Believers must come in agreement with it and make the necessary changes to accommodate it. The Antioch church became our model church, at least for Amazing Church. The church begins to migrate from a pastoral position to an apostolic one without losing the pastoral dimension. The members will still be cared for uh, because, the release of, because of the release of pastors. The church will move beyond being a parish and have a greater impact in different regions and territories. This includes planting churches. You know, or the fivefold help create new wineskin. And old wineskins cannot handle this expansion. Old wineskins are rigid and inflexible. Organizations and churches often become legalistic and dogmatic. It is either their way or no way. When this happens, God raises up fivefold leadership which brings a fresh word to help create new wineskin. And these anointings are more radical and progressive. They attract a new group of believers which are not held back or bound by a religious mindset. The result is reformation of the wineskin. Look at this. Now, apostolic or fivefold leaders, you will often be branded as troublemakers and heretics. That one you can't avoid. I was just labeled a false teacher the other day by the Calvinistic Reform community. It didn't bother me. I found that as a badge of honor. You know what I'm saying? Um, but nevertheless, it is, it is what it is. Um, in order for Amazing Church to transition successfully, a new wineskin must be developed. Leadership must concentrate on developing this new wineskin. The structure and the format of this house must change or continue to change. One cannot be afraid to change the structure of the church in order to create a new wineskin. The models of the past will not be sufficient to handle what God is doing today. We must receive new blueprints that the Holy Spirit is giving us. The fivefold are wise master builders. They are spiritual architects. They build by revelation, not tradition. Many of the models that leaders use to build are outmoded and outdated. We must upgrade our technologies and build according to the current pattern being released from heaven. The blueprints are here. We need to embrace them and believe they provide a structure that will cause a greater degree of blessing and glory to be released. We cannot put new wine into old wineskins. The wineskins must change. There's no way to get around this truth. This is why the fivefold must be in place. The ministry of the fivefold is the new order of ministry for the outpouring of the new wine. Apostolic churches are new wineskin. The apostolic anointing is the only anointing capable of overseeing and releasing all believers into the fullness of what the Holy Spirit is releasing. So why does this matter? Well, I'm going to show you some things right now that are going to help you understand why this matters. I mentioned a few minutes ago that there was a, a key leader, a hard hitter in this movement that has acknowledged uh, John Eckhart as one of the pioneers of the apostolic movement, and that would be Bishop Bill Hammond. Now, in Bill Hammond's book, The Eternal Church, as you see the, the title cover here, 
in his uh, summary of the prophetic apostolic movement in that chapter regarding this subject. He says, quote, the purpose of the prophetic apostolic movement was to restore the ministries of prophets and apostles to complete Christ's original five gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher to his church. The restoration and activation of these five ministry gifts was for fulfilling the purpose for which they were given the equipping and perfecting of the saints in Christ's image and ministry. Prophets and apostles are preparing the saints for their full day of manifesting the kingdom of God for a witness to every nation. The place of its birth was the United States, but it quickly spread to the rest of the nations of the earth. Movements that never develop major denominations rarely recognize any one man or woman as being the founder of the movement. Nevertheless, some ministers played a more prominent role in certain areas. Paul Cain was used to demonstrate the office of the prophet. Uh, Bill Hammond was the first to introduce the idea of the prophetic movement coming and was instrumental in birthing and pioneering the restoration of prophets, especially the Elijah Company of Prophets, and activating and training the saints in prophetic ministry. John Eckhart and C. Peter Wagner were prominent in pioneering and propagating the apostolic movement. After the restoration of apostles began to be propagated, many apostles began coming forth throughout the United States and many nations of the world chapter of this book, chapter 26, uh, The Eternal Church, Bill Hammond stated, quote, the prophetic apostolic movement was a major restoration movement. It restored as many biblical truths, spiritual experiences, and ministries back into the church as any of the previous restoration movements. I think it's important to note here that when they say restoration, the question needs to be asked, what type of apostles are you trying to restore? And it would seem that it's the apostles of Christ because of their reference to the scriptures pertaining to the apostles of Christ. And again, I'm going to get to something about that in just a minute. Uh, there's a In fact, I'm getting ready to play a clip for you right now from a, a teaching that Pagani did on revolutionaries versus reformers. And he had something pretty shocking to say about Peter. But what's interesting is if you connect the dots, when he's making the distinction that Peter was a lawmaker, uh, He's assigning the, that law, very, very lawmaking ability to the modern day apostles today, which would be him and others that claim to be apostles. So I don't understand how that's not equal to the apostles of Christ when that distinction is being made. Have a listen. If you truly have an apostolic and prophetic fivefold office, God really listens to you. You don't believe so? God did not kill. Ananias and Sapphira, Peter did, by using his authority, and what did heaven do? It, they allowed it. Heaven allowed it. Why? Because of the word of Peter. Why? Because Peter was a lawmaker. You know who are the most powerful people in this country? It's not the president. It's the lawmaker. So the belief of the restoration of apostles and prophets is foundational, no pun intended, to the new apostolic reformation. And Eckhart believes himself to be a big A apostle of Jesus Christ. And he believes he has governing authority as an apostle. And I want to show you this right now. Uh, Eckhart wrote a book uh, that's been republished as of 2017 called Moving in the Apostolic. It's a very well-known book by those that have been in this movement. Uh, even if they don't acknowledge the New Apostolic Reformation, uh, Eckhart's book actually acknowledges the New Apostolic Reformation in Chapter 8. In fact, chapter 8 is titled The Apostolic Church, citing Matthew 16, 18. And Eckhart says this in his book. Some of the greatest churches the world has ever known are now on the earth. Apostolic churches and networks are developing around the world as God is positioning his church to fulfill the Great Commission. Dr. C. Peter Wagner calls this movement a new apostolic reformation. It is a movement that ultimately will affect everyone within the church. 
The challenge to each of us is this. Will we fight against and reject the movement or we will or will we support it and flow with it? I believe that the more we understand about the apostolic dimension, the more we will want to become a part of this great move of God. So it seems that that Eckhart is affirming that this great move of God, the new apostolic reformation is something that the church needs to be part of in order for the great commission to go forth. Now he had Wagner write the foreword for this book. And also want to point you to the fact that in 1998, in addition to all the other books that Eckhart wrote on the apostolic, which there are several and Wagner wrote a lot of books on the apostolic in 1998, when this first was coming to fruition as far as uh, Wagner stating that the apostolic was going to be um, be restored. And he identifies 2001 as the apostolic age being restored to the church. In 1998, though, there was a book that came out, as you'll see the cover here, called New Apostolic Churches. And in that book, there are several contributors to this book. Uh, the general editor was Peter Wagner himself. But when you read the back cover, it talks about the grassroots movement known as the New Apostolic Reformation, and it's acknowledging key leaders within this movement. John Eckhart is one of the contributors to this book, along with other people you may notice the names of, including Robert Slayerton and Bill Hybels. And to go back to the book Moving in the Apostolic, C. Peter Wagner actually has been quoted as saying this about that very book. My good friend John Eckhart has both the gift of apostle and teacher. I shall make his book, Moving in the Apostolic, required reading of my students so they might get to know him and say, John Eckhart is my role model for ministry today. So yes. Wagner himself endorsed this book. In fact, he wanted his students to have it as primary reading material in order to understand the apostolic movement, which Wagner um, referred to as the New Apostolic Reformation. Now, something else I found um, on the Wayback Machine uh, that was very interesting to me on the old bio for John Eckhart. On his ministry page, he calls him a jo Apostle John Eckhart and that he's the overseer of Crusaders Church Chicago with close to 4,000 in attendance weekly in several locations. And that he is gifted with a strong apostolic call and is ministered throughout the United States and overseas in more than 70 nations. He is an apostolic reformer called to perfect the saints by imparting biblical truths, including deliverance and spiritual warfare and activating the gifts of the spirit in order to raise up strong ministries in the body of Christ. This goes on to say, Apostle Eckhart founded the Impact Network in 1995. Since that time, hundreds of churches, ministries, and leaders in over 40 nations have affiliated with this network that God is raising up as a vehicle for global apostolic reformation. As part of his calling as an apostle of Jesus Christ, and notice it says big A apostle of Jesus Christ, he is activating, commissioning, and ordaining apostles and prophets around the world to facilitate this current reformation, along with conducting powerful apostolic breakthrough conferences in many nations. Yeah, it's amazing what you can find on the internet. <laughs> um, so Eckhart believes himself to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, a big A apostle. And and Wagner, even uh, when he did the foreword uh, in, in his book, he even made a big deal about that, saying that he is unapologetic about calling himself Apostle John Eckhart, which is big A. He, Wagner believed that that was a good thing because he acknowledged the restoration of governing authority, apostles and prophets. And again, I ask, what type of apostles are you trying to restore if you think they need restoration? I know there's other people that have talked about as far as even going back to Azusa Street. 
um, that there, there's been this undertone of this restoration of the gifts, restoration of apostles, as if they were gone and, and now we need them again. The latter rain movement hinged on the restoration of modern day apostles and prophets in, in this type of capacity. And the assemblies of God rejected it and renounced it in 1949 in writing. And oddly enough, when you read different writings uh, from some of these key leaders, you're going to see that it it kind of uh, rings of latter rain movement mixed in. This is a multi-stream movement. It's it's incorporating uh, the shepherding movement, prosperity gospel, word of faith, uh, latter rain, uh, apostolic prophetic. I mean, it's incorporating signs and wonder. So many of this that it's incorporating into this. I think we need to be aware of that. And I want to draw this to your attention, too. There was actually an article in 2022 that John Eckhart had on featured on CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network. And the title of this article was Restoring Apostolic Ministry to the Church, December 10th of 2022. The beginning of this article states, John Eckhart recently spoke to Gordon Robertson about the shift from pastoral to apostolic ministry and its effects on local churches. There are changes in leadership that he believes will directly affect the body of Christ. As he travels around the world, John has discovered that many leaders are transitioning from a pastoral calling into an apostolic calling. That is, many pastors are realizing that they desire a ministry that encompasses more than one church. It is important that the church make this shift in order for the church as a whole to move to the next level of power, grace, and anointing. He goes on to talk about the book of Acts in this article, that churches were planted by that churches were planted by the pioneering spirits of apostles and apostolic teams and not pastors. And that pastors are not mentioned among the three governmental offices of the church in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, which that's one of the verses that this uh, belief system hinges upon is 1 Corinthians 12, 28, as we probably heard Pagani and others state this very same verse. And so he goes on to talk about apostolic churches. Now, another important thing to note here too, is that in one of these clips you you heard at the beginning and in the one I played, you heard Pagani mention about the Antiochian churches versus the Jerusalem church. And you know where he got that teaching from? John Eckhart. If you looked and you paid attention to it, he got it from John Eckhart. There's a chapter in a shift to leadership called the Antioch church. So just something to think about there and to be aware of. And, and John Eckhart has been acknowledged by leaders, including Bill Hammond, as I said, as a pioneer in the apostolic movement. So we need to take that into consideration. And the books that I mentioned to you, and there's many books out there that he's written about the apostolic. I have copies of them. I have hard copies. I have digital copies of a lot of these things that are covered in the New Apostolic Reformation. I want to get back to Pagani for just a minute on this because he is integral in this and what he's teaching because he's teaching New Apostolic Reformation teaching, beliefs, practices, doctrine. He's teaching it from John Eckhart. That's been proven from these clips that have not been doctored. And you can find these videos for yourself unless he takes them offline. But he's teaching straight out of John Eckhart's books, who was affiliated with the New Apostolic Reformation. Now, Pagani was commissioned as an, as an uh, apostle to the office of an apostle. I don't know how long ago it was, but the video is on his YouTube channel that I have seen several times. And he had oil poured on his head, and there were things spoken over him. I'm going to play just a few little clips, and I want you to hear what is said to him and just note the actions. And I want to ask you to think to yourself if this constitutes a simple church planter. Have a look. We believe today, as Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost, 
to do incredible works. Even today, God is anointing you and has set you apart. Cast out devils, preach the gospel. We affirming all of those things that are at work in your life in this moment. Your voice is going to be like an extended trumpet that will go beyond walls. Walls will not limit you. Your voice is going to be like thunder. It's going to be thunder. And devils will yell. And angels will yell. And nations will align to you. Your voice will be heard. And revelations will assimilate around you. In the name of Jesus. So I have another question to ask. I have Pagani. Actually, I have both of Pagani's books. I have The Secrets to Deliverance that I've read, and I'm getting ready to read The Secrets to Generational Curses. And I have a question because I noticed on the bio a statement that was very interesting. In Pagani's bio, later on down as he talks about some of his his experiences and just things about him and, and starting the church that he started, that he's an internationally sought-after speaker, um, that he takes an uncompromising approach to the scriptures. He's been involved in more than 400 deliverance sessions. He says near the end, he carries a spirit of wisdom and discernment to unlock secrets of the kingdom with signs and wonders following his ministry. Now, when I read that, I immediately thought of 2 Corinthians 12, 12, because Paul uses those very same words uh, to, to describe to the Corinthian church that they saw a true apostle, Paul, compared to the super apostles or the false apostles in 2 Corinthians 11. They saw a true apostle being confirmed with signs and wonders, an apostle of Christ. So if Pagani does not believe that he is on par with the apostles of Christ, then why does his bio contain a statement that he carries a spirit of wisdom and discernment to unlock secrets of the kingdom with signs and wonders following his ministry? I mean, if you think about that, that sounds very similar to 2 Corinthians 12, 12. And I'll also say this, he focuses on kingdom. That's what he wants to, to focus on is bringing the kingdom. I would also draw your attention to the uh, one of the slides for the New Apostolic Reformation that I shared from Wagner from 2012. One of the things that Wagner emphasized was kingdom, having a kingdom mindset. Now, just because someone uses the word kingdom doesn't mean they're automatically New Apostolic Reformation because there's other things that are uh, part of this. One of the main ones is that you believe that there's a restoration of apostles and prophets today with governing authority. That is what the NAR hinges upon. And then from there, there are other practices that many have said aberrant that draw away from the original doctrine, the original teachings according to scripture that are dangerous, um, that, are, that you do see within this movement. And I can attest to that as someone who was in it. So I wanted to ask that question. If he doesn't see himself as an apostle of Christ, why is he inserting a statement that is very close to what Paul said about the apostles of Christ and how they were affirmed by, by people that they came in contact with, that they were truly from Jesus Christ? And I want you to listen to this commentary. It's the Moody uh, Bible commentary. I want you to listen to this from 2 Corinthians 12, 12. When you're looking at verses 11 through 13 in this, Paul makes the statement, being enamored by the super apostles who had infiltrated the church, certain Corinthians had turned their backs on Paul. 
This compelled Paul to show that as an apostle, he was not inferior to his opponents, even though he was nothing apart from Christ. His apostleship was indeed authenticated by miraculous signs that were a mark of divine power, but this happened while he persevered through suffering. Apostles in the early church received the unique ability to perform miracles, which both authenticated them as true apostles and testified to the veracity of their, of their message. Miraculous abilities were not the privilege of every believer then or now. The only area where he treated the Corinthians differently was his continued refusal to receive financial support from them. Ironically, Paul asked for forgiveness of this wrong. And there's one more resource that I want to share with you again. GotQuestions.org had this to say about restoring apostles and prophets. And if that's something that's even a biblical approach to have, let's see what they have to say. On gotquestions.org, they note the following. During the first century of the church, there was an office of apostle and there was a spiritual gift of apostle. The office or position of apostle was held by the 12 disciples of Jesus plus Matthias, who took Judas's place and Paul. Those who held the office, those who held the office or position of apostle were chosen specifically by Christ. Mark chapter 3, verse 16 through 19. The replacement for Judas seen in Acts 1, 20 through 26. Note in this passage that Judas's position was called an office. It should also be noted that Paul was chosen by Christ. That's noted in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 8 and 9, and Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. These men were given the task of setting up the foundation of the church. It should be understood that it was for the universal church that these men were part of the foundation, Ephesians 2.20. The foundation of the church was laid in the first century. This is why the office of apostle is no longer functioning. There was also a spiritual gift of apostle. This is not to be confused with the office. They are separate. Among those who had the spiritual gift were James, Barnabas, Andronicus, and Junius, possibly Silas and Timothy, and Apollos. This latter group had the gift of apostleship, but not the apostolic office conferred upon the twelve and Paul. Those who had the gift of apostle then were those who carried the gospel message with God's authority. The word apostle means one sent as an authoritative delegate. This was true of those who held the office of apostle like Paul and those who had the spiritual gift like Apollos. Though there are men like this today, men who are sent by God to spread the gospel, it is best not to refer to them as apostles because of the confusion this causes, since many are not aware of the two different uses of the term apostle. At the end of this article, it says it should also be noted that scripture refers to these men in the past tense. Second Peter chapter three, verse two, and also Jude three and four state that the people should not stray from the message the apostles gave, past tense. Hebrews chapter two, verses three and four also speaks in the past tense of those who performed in the past signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to point out some things as we're kind of wrapping down here. Pagani uses the same terminology. And he exhibits the same practices as we've seen found in this movement. He's, demonst he's demonstrating territorial spiritual warfare, which many of us are familiar with. He's demonstrating the declarations, the decrees. He's calling himself an apostle. He's citing material that is coming from someone who believes himself to have governing authority as an apostle. And, he used, and he's using that as a teaching to transition his uh, church from pastoral to apostolic. There's several things that he's engaging in that are concerning because this is affirming the new apostolic reformation and more than just a mere church planter so Man. i want to ask this is it possible that he's not aware of this information it's possible i want to give the benefit of the doubt but i also um, realize that there are people that know that they're part of this and they proudly display it but i i hope that this video will serve to provide this information to 
Mr. Bugani and to have him consider these things in addition to those that he's ministering to. Now, there's one final thing I want to leave you with, and it is from Eckhart's book, A Shift in Leadership. And it's something that was concerning to me when I read it. And I want to point it out to those that are watching, and I want to point it out to Alexander Pagani, because if you're reading it you're, and you're really taking in what Eckhart's saying, it's, it's definitely concerning. So in his book, A Shift in Leadership, John Eckhart, the very one that Pagani quoted in at least four videos to his congregation, the one I was given as a senior leader in Ryan's ministry years ago before transitioning to an apostolic church, Eckhart had this to say in understanding how to um, transition to an apostolic foundation. This is actually in chapter two, building Antioch churches. Eckhart had this to say, let us begin with the teaching element. If a church is a transition into an apostolic position, the minds of the people must be renewed. People must receive a revelation of the present plans and purposes of God. Apostles and prophets have a unique anointing to reveal to the church the mysteries of God. They are stewards of the mysteries of God, 1 Corinthians 4.1. They help reveal to the church the mysteries that were hidden in previous ages, Ephesians 3.5. Once people understand the plans and purposes of the Lord, they will be able to walk in them. People need to understand what apostolic ministry is and how it relates to what the Lord is presently doing in the church. This is called relaying apostolic foundations. The previous foundation of the church will not be sufficient to build and expand upon. A new foundation of truth must be laid in the church. A foundation based on present truth must be put into believers. And I hope that you're acknowledging what I just read to you and what you just saw on the screen. Because the very end, he said, this is called relaying apostolic foundations. He says the previous foundation of the church will not be sufficient to build and expand upon. A new foundation of truth must be laid in the church. Eckhart mentioned several times in his, in his writings, as does Bill Hammond and others, they mention about revealed truths or present truths. And they believe that those who call themselves apostles and prophets are bringing new revelation. And those are truths, present truths. And if you don't believe those truths and, and uh, hold on to them and acknowledge them as truth, then you're not going to embrace the new wineskin. And you're not going to fulfill the Great Commission. And you need to embrace these truths. He just got done saying in the previous paragraph above it that the church, in order to transition into an apostolic position, the minds of the people must be renewed. They need to change. They need to accept and embrace these, these present truths that these leaders are bringing. And my question is, why is the foundation that was laid by the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ at the chief cornerstone, why is that not sufficient? And I want you to consider this, because this is a really dangerous thing, a dangerous teaching to state, because this is what it seems to be saying, is that another foundation is being laid. And if you're laying a new foundation, then you're building a different building. You're not building what scripture talks about. We still have apostles and prophets ministering to us today through the word of God. That foundation has never faltered. It has never failed. It has never left. <laughs> it does not need be, it does not need to be restored. We're still under apostolic teaching according to scripture. So 
If a foundation needs to be relayed, according to John Eckhart, then another building is being established, which would not be the Church of Jesus Christ. And no new foundation is necessary. What God began through His apostles and prophets in the early church is a sufficient foundation with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. The first foundation was sufficient, and it still is. We're still under apostolic teaching today. The mystery of the gospel has been revealed, and we can find this in Scripture. So I appreciate you joining me today. And I know it's been a little bit different with this video, but I wanted to present these things so you could see them for yourselves rather than just tell you about them. And, and I want to give this appeal to Alexander Pagani and to those listening that hold to this teaching. I want you to give serious thought to what I've just shared with you, because I share it out of concern for him and for those who are in this movement and following this teaching. The practices and teachings are clearly aligned with the New Apostolic Reformation, and this is a dangerous movement. It is, and most assuredly, it is a real movement, in spite of what some people may say, including well-respected people and leaders who want to, um, for lack of a better word, they want to protect their friends, most, but it is a real movement. And there are many people that are getting damaged, spiritually abused in this movement. They're being taught false teaching, aberrant teaching. They're being led astray. They're not hearing the gospel. And we need to return back to the Word of God in the true, proper context. So I hope you found this video helpful. And if you want to share it, feel free. Until next time, when we look at another topic together, be blessed today by the truth of God's Word. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contending for the Word. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to also like, subscribe, and follow Servants of Grace on Facebook, Instagram, or X. We appreciate your support.